You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. Command codes verified. Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio. But yeah, let's um, yeah, let's segue into the into Super Bowl. And uh, I also want to talk about the XFL a little bit and see if you guys have watched any of the games. Um, so I I only wa- I watched the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl because ultimately I'm not I'm not as big a football fan as I used to be. I just, I just don't care. Yeah, because ultimately it turned out I turned in tuned into the perfect part because San Francisco's up twenty one ten. I'm like, oh well, this is pretty much over. But nobody told the San the Kansas City Chiefs that because they came back. It was twenty with to like 10. what, like eleven minutes left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, twenty oh, to 10, seven minutes. No, no, seven minutes. Yeah. When uh, Mahomes threw the pick. That's crazy. Oh. That's oh. crazy. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was about seven or eight minutes left when he uh, when he threw that that pick, that second yeah, but, pick. But they had gone up by tw- by what it uh, eleven or whatever. They had gone up at eleven minutes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I hear yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. saying, but it had been 21-10 most of the fourth quarter. But yeah, like that was a serious props though to to Pat um, um, Mahomes because like, um, yeah, I mean that that dude had a rough game because he had what at that point two interceptions, but still managed to lead his team to how many unanswered points was it in the fourth quarter? Like twenty-one. Yeah, and what happened to what happened to the vaunted San Francisco defense? Like, they just got shredded. <laughs> I kept hearing how good their defense was, and like that yeah. they were. It's like they weren't even playing. It was Kansas City just did exactly what they wanted, and then the offense couldn't do anything either. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of another team whose offense was coached by Kyle Shanahan, and that would be the Atlanta Falcons when the Patriots came back and beat them. Mm. Like, if that dude hasn't built a reputation already of getting fourth quarter leads and losing in the Super Bowl, like that's that's a really shitty reputation to have at this point in your career. They, they brought that up too as part of yeah. the telecast and uh, and then on Sports Center later. And uh, and I felt bad for him because you know the although the Falcons thing was a lot worse. I mean they were up like yeah. twenty eight to three and uh, and they let him back in and it's just it's just terrible. I mean that that's one of those I I don't I doubt you will ever find a bigger comeback in the Super Bowl than that, you know, because people have self-respect. I mean, it's like Timmy Smith with the Russian record in the Super Bowl, 204 yards. That's a record that's never going to be broken again, because teams have more self-respect than to let some guy run for 200 yards on them in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's just not going to happen again. You know? I, I was, I was astounded. Like I, 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 Walked away, I got something to drink, I came back, and I was like, damn, they scored again? Like, it was, I, I figured San Francisco had it locked down, but apparent, apparently not. And, like, good for the Chiefs, man. But Good for the Chiefs, yeah. but also, like, for Andy Reid. Like, th- he was always a really good coach, and he oh. basically, like, that was the one joke on him was, oh, well, you can't win the big game. Well, now he yeah. has. And, like, 
It's it for them and for the Eagles. Like I know, it's talking about anything good about the Eagles as a, as a Washington fan is, is sacrilegious, but oh. it was the one thing that I hated with fans. Fans would be like, "Oh, well, the Eagles have never won a Super Bowl." Well, now nobody can say that. And same thing with Andy Reid. Like, good for them, you know. Like, you can't like rag on them for that nonsense anymore because those were still good teams. He's still a good coach, and now yeah. they have they have the it's- the hardware to prove it. Yeah, it's basically the validation. I mean, no coach has won, no, no, like he, 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 no coach had won more games in NFL history without having a Super Bowl than him. And like it it was pretty, I, I, in my opinion, it was pretty much a done deal that he was going to go to the Hall of Fame eventually, like whenever he did, whenever he stops coaching. And all this ring does is just cement that he's probably going to be first ballot when he does go. Yeah, because there's no there's no there's no denying the impact that that, that he's had on two different franchises. I mean, th- those Eagles teams should have won a Super Bowl. They th- they should have won it, four it, straight NFC Championship games plus a Super Bowl where if McNabb doesn't shit the bed, you know, like <laughs> and, 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 and maybe maybe a receiver who maybe if any receiver with two working legs you know, could could catch or get open or do something, seeing as their best receiver had one leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe they would have won. I mean, like, it, it just goes it, it goes to show like he he's well respected in Philadelphia for helping turn that franchise around and and making them respectable. Uh, 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 get, get, creating a ton of a ton of the memories. I'm sure Philly fans will uh never never forget and unfortunately won't let us forget with the monday night massacre yeah um but and, and then to go to kansas city after after you know being ousted from philly and you do the same thing you make you make alex smith look like an mvp level then you you replace him with with a with a with a young kid who there were some questions about and and you win the Super Bowl in this his second year, like you know. See, all right, and I hate to interrupt you, but the only thing is, you you said first ballot Hall of Fame, and that is huge. You don't just get to be. I mean, I don't personally. I don't think that Andy Reid has done enough. I mean, I think he'll get there eventually, but I don't think he's going to be first ballot by any stretch of the imagination. I had to look up, and I was getting ready to ask, but I said, oh, you know, I've got this device here. I can find out. Marty Schottenheimer, who is a pretty good coach, <laughs> apparently he is uh, the only eligible coach who has over 200 wins and is not in the NFL Hall of Fame. <laughs> and now he's in the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame, and that's noteworthy because he had a pretty good coaching career with the Cleveland Browns too. Got them to the NF to the NF, sorry the AFC Championship. Several times. Just unfortunate that they ran into the Denver Broncos then, you know. Also, big time regular season, as, as evidenced by the fact that he's got two over. Actually, it's like 205 wins. Um, you know, so this guy, really great coach. He ain't in the Hall of Fame. And that was the knock on him, just like it had been with Andy Reid. Well, he couldn't win the big one, you know. So, I mean, again, Andy Reid has gotten over that hump. Um, you know, but he's only got the one. I mean, I think he's got to win. And hey, Kansas City is poised to make a run on this thing again. But if Andy Reid wins another one, 
I think he's more then you can start talking about are you yeah now maybe you're a first ballot Hall of Famer certainly if the Chiefs are able to create a little dynasty here because if he if if the Chiefs win two or even three Super Bowls I think then he's an absolute lock for first ballot Hall of Famer but you know you've got to be I mean it takes it takes quite a bit uh, you know I mean I it's easy. If you're an NFL quarterback, um, slightly less so if you're a running back. I mean, there are a couple of positions where, you, you know, like wide receiver. It's really hard for a wide receiver to make the NFL Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, coaches, uh, that that's another one. It's kind of dicey. I mean, you have to have distinguished yourself to such a huge degree, you know, to get these people yeah. to vote for you. You know, I, I mean, do you think his coaching tree would factor into that at all? Uh, you know, ultimately not really. I mean, I, 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 and that's only because, um, all of this stuff, it's by the numbers. And so now to the degree that the coaching tree plays a role in developing a certain philosophy to where you have employed certain schemes or, you know, certain, uh, you know, it, it comes down to the way that you, uh, game plan or the way that you coach that leads to a greater degree of success. Yeah, okay, maybe from that standpoint, but you know, oh yeah, I worked under Mike Holmgren and I worked under um, Don Coriel and you know that kind of thing. I don't think it makes a difference in terms of you know whether or not you get there. They look at your numbers. How many wins have you got as a head coach? How many championships? Have you got, you know, I mean, as a quarterback, how many yards did you throw for? How many touchdowns? How many championships have you got? You know, ditto with running back. How many yards did you run for? How many touchdowns? You know, how many championships? And at least with coaches, you know, they throw in, okay, well, how many uh, conference championships? How many division championships have you got? How many postseason games have you won? You know, I mean, and if, if the numbers are favorable, enough you know yeah then you can get these people to vote for you and you're in the hall of fame i gotta say though one of the cool things about what we've seen here in the last it's like last five to ten years here is this is now the second championship that the city of kansas city has won we had the royals win the world series uh, a few years back and now we've got the chiefs and every single time a kansas city team wins a championship uh the actor paul rudd is at the games when they win. And like, he just talks about like, Hey, everybody come over to my parents' house. There's a big kegger to celebrate. <laughs> like he's just like, he seems like such a genuine dude. And like, it's just, it's cool when you see people like this, that like, it's like watching yourself almost, you know, it's just like, this just seems like a regular down to earth dude who just happens to be, you know, really famous, but like, only if and, he's really letting the people come to his parents' house. <laughs> if he's just talking that stuff, it's like, damn, yeah, Paul Rudd, I thought your parents were having a kegger. What's up? You know? <laughs> Knowing the way that the Midwest is, it's entirely possible, you know? Like, <laughs> But, yeah, I thought it was it, – it's really cool. Like, he just seems like one of those guys that's, like, just a genuinely nice dude. And it's it's cool to see somebody like him – act like we do you know we're like oh i'm just so excited to see my team win and like especially like as dc fans long-suffering dc fans who have not gotten to see championships like i can appreciate that you know like i'm 
dude, I, I've been Paul Rudd, you know, I'm just so ec- ecstatic to see my team win. Um, I wanted to kind of pivot here, guys, because we only got a little bit of time left here. But like, who were you guys rooting for any team in particular? Or were we just kind of watching the game? Oh, for the Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh, I was totally rooting for the Chiefs, man. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just accustomed. I, well, I, and aside from being accustomed to rooting for a team with an Indian nickname, um, I really, <laughs> you know, I, what I saw of the Chiefs in the postseason, because I'll tell you what, the Titans made a believer out of me. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, damn, the freaking Titans. But the Chiefs falling behind the way they did, because, well, you know, quite frankly, that first game they played where they fell behind by such a huge margin to Houston. I was like, damn, Kansas City, you know, and then they came back like they came back stupidly against Houston. It was like, damn. I mean, and then fell behind the next week to the freaking Titans, who <laughs> we saw the Titans, Titans knocking out New England, Titans knocking out Baltimore and you want to talk about some crazy stuff watching that game. Those Baltimore people, they were sitting up there. They couldn't believe what they were watching. It was like, wait, we're losing badly. You know, it's like, I thought we were good. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Not just good. We were great. We were the number one seed. We were the best team in the NFL. I mean, when you're the number one seed, you're 14 and two. And everybody is talking about how you're going to win a Super Bowl. And then at home, these guys come into your place and basically punch you in the mouth and take your lunch money in front of everybody. I mean, the Titans punked Baltimore. They punked them in front of all their fans. I was like, damn, you know, I mean, so like I said, and then the Titans come into Kansas City and they start doing the same thing. And I'm like, oh, wow. That Henry guy, he's a big old guy. But the, ty- the Kansas City wouldn't be pumped. <laughs> they were like, oh, school schoolyard bullies, huh? We got something for you. Take that and yeah. that. <laughs> it was like, wow. I mean, there was just no – there was no quit in these guys. I mean, how could you not – I, I kind of liked them from even the year before. I was like, wow, look at them. And, and the way they kept coming back. So, you know, even when they got down – to San Francisco, who I just didn't want to see San Francisco win any more championships. I mean, you know, if they'd have gotten another, because they got five now, if they'd have gotten another one, they'd have six. And it was like, damn, you know? I mean, and they were so, they were bragging and they were strutting and they were posturing and all that, you know, come on, you know, do it on the field. Let your play talk for you. I mean, I was just, I was just through with them. But, and on top of that, you know, here's Shanahan, who had been with the Redskins. Not that I'm begrudging him any degree of success, but, you know, you look across the field and there's Andy Reid, who I certainly thought was very deserving. You know, you mentioned Pat Mahomes. Yep. This kid is like all world. I mean, you know, and, and you know, it, Kansas City just struck me as more of a, you know, blue collar, lunch pail kind of team you know, that you could kind of get behind as opposed to these flashy guys with the gold helmets from the Bay Area and whatever, you know. So, um, you know, I mean, and then especially the way they came back on them. I mean, there was no time left. It's the fourth quarter, you know, as Brooks points out, seven minutes to play. Your quarterback has just thrown his second interception of the game. It's like, well, now is the time that we absolutely positively have to have it. 
if we don't, we're going to lose this game. And it was like they flipped a switch and all of a sudden just opened. It was like it was like one of those old Popeye cartoons. The Kansas City Chiefs (laughs) ate their spinach. (laughs) Their their arms turned into battleships all of a sudden. Yeah, Yeah. I was also I was also I was also going for the Chiefs. I was yeah. also going for the Chiefs. Uh, one, because I love Andy Reid. Uh, I've always respected him as a coach, even when he played in Philly. Um, so I really wanted to see him get one because I didn't like. There, there, there's some guys. It's like it's like it's like uh, Yuli mentioned. Like you know, he had he had the label, and whether that's fair or not, I, I didn't think it was fair because like we know he's a good coach. But the unfortunate thing is, a lot of times, really good coaches. Uh, just become casualties of history as as we pass through it. Like it'll, it'll come up when you talk about this era, but you know you may not get mentioned when they really talk about the greatest coaches to ever do it. So I really wanted to see Andy Reid get it. So he had something that could kind of further cement his name in NFL history and yeah. and and whatnot because he he absolutely deserved it. Yeah. The other and- thing too is. On Kansas City, like they they had a lot of outcasts who uh, they had a lot of outcasts on those teams who uh, on the, on um, on that team who had bounced around. You can look at someone like Sammy Watkins who was yeah. whatever in Buffalo. He, he was only oh, yeah. in L.A. for I think a season or two before before ending up in Can- before ending up in Kansas City. Uh, you can look at Bashad Breland who was here. Yeah, he was yeah. he was in Green Bay. Uh, go, goes there, so on and so forth. You have Frank Clark, former Seattle pick. Uh, Seattle gives up on him because they didn't want, they did not want to give him the money. Trade him, uh, trade him to Kansas City. Boom. I mean, you can look at K- Kendall Fuller, who was a casualty of the Alex Smith trade. You know, like there, there, there were a number. Damian Williams, who was on those, who was, uh, uh last on the depth chart of those terrible Miami Dolphins teams hmm. and really only got an opportunity in Kansas City after the whole the stuff with Kareem Hunt uh, happens. And you yeah. get to see him get the rare second opportunity for someone who's not a superstar player. And he, he was very vital for them. And uh, in this game, he had 100, all per, 100, 100, I think 109 all-purpose yards, including... Uh, that 31-yard uh, touchdown that really kind of completely sealed sealed the game, make it two scores with a minute 12 left. So like I was I was I was rooting because I really wanted to see, you know, these like th- these group of guys who bounce had bounced around to different teams. They're not superstar players. They're they're never going to be the guys that are going to lead any sports in their highlights or anything like that. Um, but it, but I I did want to see those guys you know be successful, you know yeah even it's, though it was a good story Breland, basically yeah because uh-huh. even though Breland Fuller and Austin Ryder are not skins <laughs> they're not skins players anymore like I I was still happy to see those guys you know win you know uh-huh. I'm 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 happy for them. Now the one thing that I I will say and uh, I I had to laugh at this you know because. When they started cutting to the luxury boxes, man, that Kansas City Chiefs luxury box, they was country as hell up in there. <laughs> I was like, look at these bamas. <laughs> oh, the women decked out in these sequins and all this, you know. <laughs> 
okay. Kansas City as a as a city in general is probably about 10 to 15 years behind most trends when it comes to fashion. So give them a break. <laughs> like it's not their fault. Like they try real hard, you know, like. Hey, look, I, you know, it's tongue in cheek because yeah, I got you. They were yeah. all rich as hell sitting up in there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, you couldn't, have, you know, what was it? Uh, whatever the the services where you you get the box and they freaking dress you out of the box. <laughs> like, they could have done that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was. It's it's still it's it's nice that we're starting. That's the other thing that I love too is I love seeing new teams win championships like I it's I know a lot of people really love a dynasty but me I like variety I like seeing new new teams and and new players like being able to hoist the trophy and it's just like it's kind of a cool feeling to see like again I mean what they yeah. won Super Bowl four <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but that was that was a long damn time ago okay like yeah. Len Doss the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs was smoking a cigarette <laughs> on the sideline of that Super Bowl okay like it's a different time, okay? <laughs> I won't lie. I was I was partially rooting for a rematch of that. Oh, Packers, Packers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big A Rod fan, and even though that Packers team really overachieved this year, because anyone who watched them knows that they were not 13 and three good, I still would have liked to have seen that again. Come on, yeah. You are what your record says you are. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I that's the first time I've heard people talk about. Oh, they're not as good as their record. Usually it's like, well, we're not as bad as our record said. No, you are what your record says you are. If you won 13 games and you lost three, then you're 13 and three. That's let's, what you um, want, you know? Let's, let's go ahead and wrap up on this, guys. I, I want to do a quick around around the, uh, the the table here, around the dais, if you will. Of um, it's, it's a segment we started doing uh, like a year ago. Uh, what, what we're watching. So MC and I, both watched a show on Netflix called uh, You. Uh, there's going into the second, uh, they just finished the second season uh, and posted the entire thing, but we both watched it. Uh, there's actually a review. Check it out. It's on greatgeekrefuge.com. Um, just go to uh, articles. It's right there under uh, what to watch. So you guys can check that out. But I wanted to talk about that just for a couple minutes here, and then we'll have actually a separate episode where we delve into this because this show is fucking bananas. Like, I've never seen a show that, like, it, it pulls out all the stops. It is in, in like a soap opera in a way where, like, you're, you're getting to the end of the episode and you're like, oh, they're not going to resolve this. And then you're like, oh, there's a resolution. And then in the last, like, minute, they're like, but wait, we're going to drop this bomb on you. And you're like, fuck. Like, that's what this show is like because you want to watch just, like, maybe one or two episodes and, like, spread it out so you have time to digest it. But this is, like, one of the most bingeable shows that I've ever seen because, like, you just – you want to watch the whole thing. You want to see how it plays out. And, like, the twists and turns with this show, like, it, it's – it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It keeps you guessing as to what's going to happen. But, like, it's also – it's very smart. That's the other thing that I really enjoy about the show is it's very intelligently done. It's not – you know how, like, some – you can just pick it to pieces with, like, all the plot holes? No, this is very well thought out. And the guy who plays in the lead character, Joe – um, the actor's name is Penn Badgley, and the yes. dude is a phenomenal actor. Um, and not only that, like he a lot of like spoiler alert, the, the main character is a murderer. OK, and women love him. <laughs> Say what now? That's, just, that's not a spoiler. That's just the plot of the show. It's the plot. <laughs> yeah, okay. If you wanted to be surprised. OK, sorry. But yeah, um, 
but like women love him anyways because he's charming and he's and he's kind, you know, as kind as a murderer can be. But women are like just in love with him. And he is on Twitter, like just beating this drum every day. He's like, women, you have to stop. He is a piece of shit. Please stop loving my character. But he's that good of an actor. It really is. Um, MC, I wanted to give you a couple minutes here to kind of go into your take on it. And then, uh, Yuli, give us a show that like you've been watching recently that you really enjoy, something new, uh, or even something that you've just been going back to. Okay. All right. Well, wait a minute. All right. We're going with Brooks first, right? MC first, yes. Okay. Um, are we, we're, we're spoiler-free right now, right? Um, Say that for the actual pod? Yeah, we'll, do, we'll go into the spoilers when you and I talk about it. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It, it, it's a show that's is going to constantly keep you guessing. Because um, when you just look at when you just like, if when you just hear about what what it's about, like it sounds like like it doesn't sound interesting at all. Like, why? Why would I be interested in watching a guy stalk someone? And like that doesn't sound interesting at all. But like the beauty is in the writing. It's in the cinematography. It's 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 in the monologues that are that are part of it. It's just it's a it's a well done, well crafted show that, like you said, it, it manages to rope you in. I, I think the the mark of you know many of the characters we come to love is that, uh, and, and this is with anything, is that we feel, we can feel a conflict with them. Like we we generally feel that way about uh, villains, and I guess you could say that. Joe is a villain. He is the oh, villain sure. of, of you. Yeah. And for the most part, a lot, many of the many of the the best villains we know are not just oh this person is bad for the sake of being bad. It's you know we feel conflicted about them. It's like they're bad, but you know they're also this and that. And so you know you start diving into like nuance and so on and so forth. But in the way that they present Joe is they like. He's un, like he's not a redeemable person, not a redeemable character. Uh, the stuff he does, you like you just you can't come back from that. But it, it, he's also not a monster, I guess, in the sense of how generally people would depict it. In that you see him be nice, you see him be thoughtful, you see him do nice things for people, you see him be considerate. You know, you see you see all of these things, and it and it. it you feel conflicted while watching it because you're like, go ahead, Joe. But then you're like, wait, why am I rooting for Joe? He's yeah. terrible. He should, he should, should not be rooting for Joe to win because <laughs> winning means bad stuff <laughs> yeah. is going to happen. And, and, that is and that's a really good point. Yeah. And, that, and that's ultimately the, I think the, the appeal of it is that the, like the, the, the synopsis of it doesn't sound all that great. But then the, the execution of it is, real, is really what ropes you in. And and just when you think that you can predict what's going to happen, you get an idea of what's going to happen next. All of a sudden, anvil falls from the sky and falls on your head halfway through an episode. You're at the end of an episode, and you're like, "Wait, what? What is happening?" Because I know, yeah. I, and Mike, I messaged you. I think when the thing in episode one of season two happened, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> What is what? Yeah, I kept waiting for that to happen, and, and like it, it'd be like, oh, it's a dream. Oh, haha. No, no, it was real. No, no, okay. no, no. That 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 legitimate. Yeah, that no, that happened. 
and 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 like I said, that I think that's just the the testament to to how good the show is, how good the acting, um, how good the acting is. Yeah. Because honestly, if they if they did not cast, if if they had gotten someone lesser to try to play the role of Joe, I just don't know. Like I, I this is one of these roles that like. I don't know if I can see anyone other than Penn Badgley doing it. I'm sure that there's a number of actors who probably could have done the the creepy, attractive stalker guy. But yeah. but it's just something about Penn, just in his mannerisms, uh, the way he he uh, his eye discipline with camera and the other character. It's just he 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 nails it so perfectly in the most subtlest of ways that it's almost hard to imagine anyone else doing it. Yeah, exactly. And like it's like, you, you, yeah, you absolutely nailed it on the head, dude. Like you, you feel you're guilty for liking this dude because you're like, well, you know what? He, he really just wants to find somebody to love and he just wants that that connection. And and maybe he won't get arrested for the, the, the quadruple homicide that he's committed. But, you know, because he deserves another chance. And like I'm sitting there, I'm like, <laughs> am I rationalizing this shit in my head? Are you serious? Like it's and it's it's fucking nuts and like that's something that he has said in interviews like one woman was like do you think that he deserves to be you know to have a good life and he's like fucking no he's a murderer and he's like and he basically one of the things that he says is like this is a story about people wanting to forgive white people and i was like damn like well not not only that it's how far we'll go to to forgive an attractive white person yeah, yeah. yeah to defend to defend a terrible white person yeah, I was and like and they they drug the interviewer because like he says that and she's just like, OK, so who's your celebrity crush? And he's like, bitch, we're talking about serious stuff here. Like he was, Wait, was like, that you could, with Gina Rodriguez or was yes, that someone? Yes. OK, yeah, where she was just like completely checked out. Like, yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, like it was. <laughs> But yeah, like props to him. Like he did an interview on uh, Colbert and um, he talks about like, hey, how do you go from charming to creepy like instantaneously? He's like on it. That was great. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he was like, you just don't break eye contact. He's like, he's like, I think you're very beautiful and you're very brave. And like the audience is like, oh, and then he just keeps staring at the the camera. Yeah, it was good stuff, man. It's a good show. Yeah, if, Yuli, if you haven't checked it out, man, like season one and season two are both on Netflix, and they're I I enjoyed them. My wife enjoyed them. Like we we like blew through both seasons like it was nothing. So, um, what is what is something that you're currently watching, either new or something that you've gone back to? Like, uh, what are you what are you currently on right now? Well, um, I I'm actually trying to clean up uh, some of the stuff that's on my DVR, but. Um, there, please indulge me because there's one show that I really want to talk about. And there's another one, a show that I kind of want to give a shout out to. And, um, the one that I want to give the shout out to actually has just come back for its second season. It's a show called Narcos Mexico. It's on uh, Netflix Yeah. and a tremendous, tremendous show. I don't know if you had a chance to see Narcos, which had I've been heard on of it, but I haven't seen seasons. it yet. Yeah. Well, um, the original Narcos, um, it, it's basically uh, a, um, a period piece uh, about the drug wars. Um, the original Narcos was about uh, the drug wars in Colombia. This Narcos Mexico, as you might imagine by the title, 
is about the drug wars in Mexico. Uh, some familiar faces in it, Diego Luna, who many uh, listeners will remember from uh, Star Wars um, uh, uh, Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah, tremendous actor. He's the star playing a, uh, a drug lord, villainous drug lord who uh, makes his money in uh, marijuana, of all things, and then kind of branches over to cocaine. Um, also a tremendous actress. In fact, this woman is worth just tuning in for. Her name is Teresa Ruiz, and uh, she is one of the most prominent actresses in Mexican cinema. And, uh, you know, she's on this show. And, uh, oh, she fine. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you know. But um, uh, also um, in season one, Michael Pena, who uh, many people will remember from uh, Ant-Man and, uh, you know, a number of other things. But Michael Pena pay, playing the uh, ill-fated DEA agent Enrique Kiki Camarena. And if you're of a certain age, you know that name because uh, this guy was uh, tortured and killed by the drug cartels. And it really facilitated the United States' entry into the drug war in a much bigger way. But uh, a lot of really great actors and actresses, fantastic story, very well written. Uh, Narcos Mexico just came back for its second season uh, because they distinguish Narcos Mexico from Narcos. So second season for Narcos, but I think fifth overall for the series. But it just came back, um, I want to say, yesterday or the day before. But the show that I had wanted to really talk about is The Expanse. Um, that uh, had come back for its fourth season uh, in December. And uh, I am somebody who does not generally like to binge shows because when your season is a total of 10 or 13 shows like we find on these streaming services, if you sit in uh, inside for basically a whole weekend and you watch all of them, well, then you've got to wait another year or however long it is before you get to any more episodes. And if you really like it, you know, I try and stretch them out. I'll watch like one a week, you know, I mean, and, and, and that's what I'll do anyway. But The Expanse, wonderful show. Um, I, uh, I actually met uh, one of the uh, one of the stars at um, uh, what you call it, um, the Museum of Science Fiction's. Yeah. Um, Dominique. Uh, what's her name? Oh, no, no, no. Didn't I didn't get a chance to meet her. Uh, oh, okay. But yeah, she was at the one uh, that we all went to uh, just over the summer. But uh, Cass Anvar uh, was at their show. Um, it was either last year or the year before. And um, I was I was just, you know, hell, we were just sitting around shooting the shit. And because uh, I had seen him on an FX show uh, that's based on a, um, a, a, a series of books um, uh, by, um, Guillermo del Toro. And, uh, anyway, but it was called, oh. uh, yes, I know, I know what you're talking about the vampire yeah. one. Exactly. Shit, yes. Um, I can't think of the strain. Yeah. The strain. Yeah. So he had been on that, but that was all I knew him from. But I mean, I, and I, I was familiar with the expanse. It had recently been, uh, I want to say it had been canceled off of the sci-fi network after three seasons. And, uh, you know, people have raved about this show. I hadn't watched it. But Anvar said, he said, look, if you get a chance to watch it, he said, you really need to sit down and watch a couple of episodes at a time because of the, um, the way the arcs work 
and the way that the thing is written. He said, you'll enjoy it more if you watch a couple episodes at a time. Uh, anyway, and he said, you know, and, and he said, you know, take, take some time with it. Give it a chance. I was like, okay. So anyway, eventually I got around to it. Man, let me tell you something. This show is the bomb. Oh, my God. And I was so happy that, uh, that it ended up coming back. Uh, the Amazon guy, um, Be- Jeff Bezos, uh, he, he saved it. It's on Amazon Prime now. It had oh, been yeah. canceled off of sci-fi. Um, it's been renewed for even a fifth season. And um, it's, a, it's a very – it's a smart, well-written show. Um, it's, it's set in the future. Basically, um, it involves Earth and Mars, which had started out as a colony of Earth, but then broke away and became independent, and uh, the asteroid belt. And, um, you know, the different characters that populate these various places. But there's a lot of tension between Earth and Mars. In fact, it seemed as if Earth and Mars were getting they were on a collision course for war. And then there was the belt, which both of them exploited for the natural resources that were found mining these asteroids and the people who um, basically made the asteroid belt their home. But tremendous, tremendous show. And I can't I can't recommend it highly enough, if, especially if you're a science fiction fan. Um, it's a tremendous it's, it's a, based on a series of books, um, you know, by uh, James S.A. Um, uh, Corey. And actually, it's funny because come to find out this James S.A. Corey isn't really that's a pseudonym there are actually two people who write these books <laughs> apparently so but i and i was kind of tickled when i heard that but uh yeah stars steven Strait, cass anvar uh dominique tipper and um oh crap who's the uh the fourth guy west chatham and uh you know the the characters are just exceptionally well-written well-developed characters uh, the the way they interact, there is a lot of political intrigue in terms of the stuff that's going on on Earth and Mars. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. Um, I mean, it's just it's just a really really great show, and uh, one of the ones that I enjoy so very much now. Yeah, you know, so I can't can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you're, you're not the first person to say that. Um, Shireen, Nicole, um, has told me that The Expanse was definitely worth my time as well. Um, so I do need to get on it at some point here and start watching the show. Um, <laughs> I did. I know not everybody has CBS All Access, but I wanted to just give it a quick shout. Uh, Star Trek Picard is now four episodes in, and I am really, really enjoying it. It is if you were a Star Trek The Next Generation fan, it is worth your time because the big thing that it does some I think honestly the people who are complaining about it are not big Star Trek fans but like they're like oh well it's taking so long to get anywhere but the three episodes preceding this one were building the universe that you're in because it's been 20 years really since we've seen anything with this this cast and crew in this universe or anything like that and it really does a great job of building what's going on in the universe and kind of the temperature of what's happening where everybody is and you you're not getting thrown into this with them trying to explain backstory as they go forward. It was like, we're going to give you all of this stuff and then we're going to move forward, which I appreciate. It's, it's very, very good. Patrick Stewart is just like, 
you can tell that he it loves this character because he just came right back into it and it's it's very very enjoyable so if you guys get the time if you're willing to spend the eight bucks a month for it uh it's definitely worth it because um yeah i've i've been enjoying the heck out of it you know i watched um i watched the first episode i was over at uh roberto ortiz's and um you know he's got it because i don't have cbs all access um I enjoyed it, particularly for some of the reasons that you mentioned in terms of familiarity with the character. Um, the one thing that gave me pause was uh, why he left Starfleet and the implications for, uh, for for Starfleet, quite frankly, you know, which has always been held up as like this this uh, beacon of light in the Federation. And, um, you know, the implication uh, was from from that episode that I saw that there was something that was more than a little rotten uh, in Starfleet in terms of the way that they responded to this Romulan crisis. Um, I've never been comfortable with the way that Star Trek has portrayed the media. Um, my Again, my impression from the original series was that the media didn't exactly that was one of those institutions that didn't exactly survive and so um you know when uh, and and the only times that they've really shown them were in star trek generations and in 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 this show and i felt very uncomfortable because uh, particularly with the advent of star trek the next generation and it's something that i didn't like initially but then that i sort of came to embrace uh, was that, see, the whole key to Star Trek is that man has grown beyond his infancy. And as we have moved out into space to explore uh, deep space, there's a lot of the, a, a lot of these traits from our infancy on Earth that we left behind. And uh, it seems as if as we have come to the more contemporary telling of the Star Trek myth, that uh, the writers have drawn more from our contemporary society in depicting this future world. And and I don't think it's appropriate. You know, one of the things that Roddenberry leaned very heavily on was with Next Generation more so than the original series was how, you know, and, and even... Patrick Stewart used this exact phrase a number of times, but, oh, we evolved beyond that. You know, man used to do this, this, and this, but we evolved beyond it, you know. And, um, you know, particularly with uh, the Federation and Starfleet's response to the Romulan crisis, it seems as if maybe we didn't evolve quite so far beyond that after all, it's, you know. The, the second and third episode and the fourth subsequently um, explain this. I mean, I, I, I don't want to give you spoilers. It, it's it's still worth your time. You should see it. Mm. You'll understand it. It makes a lot more sense when all is kind of laid out. And in fact, there was at one point like you just assume that Starfleet's the bad guy in all of this because of the way because he's Picard. Picard can't be bad. can't be wrong well, well, ever possibly. <laughs> yeah. But. There's a there's a scene in the second episode that really nails what was going on. And again, you'll you'll definitely have to watch it. I, I would highly recommend it. But um, guys, we we've exhausted our our time for for this particular episode. 
Um, but yeah, I want to I want to go around the table and give everybody a, a big shout out and a big thanks. Um, MC Brooks's birthday is coming up here real soon, so you guys definitely need to make sure. Oh, you're that an Aquarian. Pisces. You... <laughs> oh. Yeah, because oh. he's on the twentieth. Yeah, I'm an I'm an Aquarius. Right mine's, mine's, mine's tomorrow. Yeah, yours is coming up too. Jeez. Yeah, mine is mine is tomorrow. So. Um, but yeah, I, w- I definitely wanted to make a big, uh, uh, give a big shout out to uh, MC Brooks. Uh, so happy birthday to him because we won't be podcasting when it's his birthday. Um, but next week we will be back. We'll have the full crew. It'll be uh, myself. It'll be Steve. It'll be MC. Um, and we might have some surprises for you guys as well. Um, but also let me give a big thanks to Mr. Ulysses E. Campbell. Thank you for joining us, uh, Mr. Campbell, again, as always. Your presence is always appreciated. Um, if people wanted to hear more from you and the things that you like to speak about, where could they find it? Well, uh, first, I just want to say I am very grateful to be included on this august program. Uh, I really admire what it is that you do, Mike, and you do it so very well. And uh, the the cast of people that you have engaged, the way that you team build, you know, I mean, MC, quite frankly, I have a great deal of respect and admiration for you as well. And you're one hell of a musician, I gotta say. So these are uh, all facts, uh, yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, so I'm just, I'm just, hey, yeah. That, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. Yeah, if anybody is interested in uh, any of the stuff that I do, um, you can uh, go to the website at fantasticforum.tv. Uh, we have uh, broken out the television version, uh, you know, the various segments. From that, uh, interviews, uh, special uh, event coverage, um, toy and game profiles, a whole bunch of stuff. And also links to the radio version, uh, which originally was supposed to support the television version, but has sort of become its own thing. I'm also going to give a little shout out for Saturday's episode. We're actually uh, representing our episode from last week in which... We were talking about uh, Birds of Prey, uh, the um, – and I know I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, the um, – well, I forget what the damn subtitle is, but it's talking about Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah, the emancipation, the, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. You know, so <laughs> although I understand now they've started calling it Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. I mean that's technically not – the title of the movie, title of the movie is what I said, but that's apparently what they're calling it. And um, it's been very well received, even though it is uh, the um, the lowest opening of any of these DC Extended Universe uh, sh- movies. But uh, the production budget was low enough that uh, it's still going to be a big success. And it's the number one movie in the world. So even though people are railing about how poorly it's doing, it's the number one movie in the world. So... Uh, but we're going to be talking about that. And, um, yeah, so fantasticforum.tv if you're interested in uh, in more Ulysses E. Campbell and Fantastic Forum. Indeed. But, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Diner here on GGR Pirate Radio. For all of us here, I mean, for all of our writing crew, we got a great crew uh, putting out lots of great articles. Check out the website. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. Uh, so thanks to Ben. Um, uh, thanks to Chelsea. Thanks to... Uh, Russ, thanks to MC, of course, uh, to James Rambo, to Steve Monick, uh, to Andy Barsh, to anybody who's been part of this GGR family. We appreciate you. And for all you listeners out there, we appreciate you and all that you do for our website. Um, hopefully, you guys will be tuning in again soon. Um, there's more podcasts to come. we got lots of great things on the horizon. 
But again, for all of us here at GGR, my name is Mike Lunsford, and don't be a juice bag. Hey, so Brooks is going to go have sex now, right? Well, that's the plan, right? <laughs> yeah, right, Brooks, strap up, man. I've, got, I've heard stories about this shit. <laughs> I literally was going to end this the show at the... And my name is Mike Lutz for Don't Be a Juice Bag, but I'm leaving that in because that's yeah, fucking Yeah, bad. I was going to say, that, that's a more perfect... <laughs> that, that's, true, I said but it when it, I did, it's, it's so that if you wanted to edit it, you could. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>